This is the Canopy Life Podcast. We are a community of joyful, generous, and stubbornly hopeful people. We believe that beauty, belonging, and innovation can change the world. And we are committed to a future where Kenyan children become godly innovators who lead their communities out of poverty. Today's guest is Kevin B. Jennings. Kevin is a business coach and personal brand strategist who empowers entrepreneurs, authors, speakers, and subject matter experts with a plan and resources to turn their vision into value and their passion into profit. He is currently the CEO of Junction 32, a marketing firm that helps influencers and organizations grow their brands and increase their revenue so they can impact people. When he's not helping businesses grow, Kevin can be found DJing weddings and parties on the weekends. He's been married to his amazing wife and childhood friend Leah since 2011, and they have a five-year-old daughter Arden and a five-month-old son Justice. Learn more about Kevin at kevinbjennings.com. And this is just part one of our two-part conversation with Kevin, so stay tuned. Next week, we'll be releasing the second half of this awesome conversation. Kevin, welcome to the Canopy Life Podcast. Welcome. Hey, thank you both for letting me hang out with you two today. Absolutely. I've, I've really been looking forward to this, Kevin. You've been a friend for a while, and I've, I've looked up to you as an entrepreneur in my life, and entrepreneurship is special. It's close to the heart of Canopy Life Academy. And so I think it would be helpful here for us to learn a little bit about your background. Can you tell us about yourself and how you came to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, for sure. So I'm sure you did a, a probably better job introducing me than I would. So whatever Evan <laughs> said, let's just go with that. But but I think my story in entrepreneurship actually starts when I was 15 years old. I was raised by a single mom and I really wanted to have money to pay for things I wanted without bothering my mom. And I wanted like I wanted like my little cricket prepaid cell phone, you know, <laughs> and I could play snake on it, you know, <laughs> and, and 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 talk to my friends and uh, and things like that. And I wanted to be able to, you know, afford to go to a movie that I bought my mom. So I wanted to get a job. And my mom tried to tell me, don't do it. She's like, son, give your whole life to work. Do not worry about it. I was like, no, 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 I want to work. And my dad, same thing, don't work. Like, you'll have your whole life to work. And I didn't listen to them. And my first job was Chuck E. Cheese. And at least I'm actually about two miles from that Chuck E. Cheese right now. That's crazy. And it is crazy. And I was a game room attendant. I only worked weekends. So Saturday, Saturday night and Sunday. And I'll be very transparent and say that I enjoyed working for the most part. I always liked working, but they had us there to around one or 2 a.m. sometimes on Saturday nights, right? I come in around six, I leave around one or two. So they're brought there, that, that location, that manager, so now, the whole, now the whole franchise was breaking child labor laws, right? <laughs> so let's start there, right? But more importantly, who's the manager at Chuck E. Cheese? A 21-year-old, a 22-year-old. Mm-hmm who likely, and I'll be transparent, my, my boss, he likely didn't really want to be there. He probably, my experience went to college, he was working full-time at Chuck E. Cheese as a manager, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you make yourself feel cool at 20 years old when you're at Chuck E. Cheese and all your friends are off pursuing their careers in their life? You become the cool man on campus. So he's giving cigarettes to young kids to feel cool, right? You know, well, I'm not, I mean, Chuck E. Cheese serves beer, uh, for those who don't know. For, for parents that I guess dull their emotions while they're at cheese with three <laughs> children. But, but, you know, all that being said, like I couldn't serve the beer, but, but like that, that's around. Right. And, that, and so I thought to myself, man, 
this is really hard work. I'm not getting paid a whole bunch. I'm get, I'm going to, I'm going home at one or two a.m. on Saturday nights. My mom's waking to pick me up. That's why my mom's like, stop working, please. Yeah. And and then the other part of it is, I'm like, this guy's not a good boss. And I and and literally in my head, I was like, I have to work for myself because clearly my mom, my parents are right, mm. right. I, that's how I interpreted the moment. Like clearly they're right. See, that's why I went to work because working for people is awful. I should start my own business. And like that, I don't. I mean, like, but by the way, I could have just said. I'll look for a better job one day. But that's how my 15-year-old mind just translated yeah. the moment. And that was it. I was like, that's my path. And from there on, I was like reading books. I was like, I, I saw school 100% as a way to prepare myself to know what I need to know, be an entrepreneur. And everything I did, every job I took, I was like a sponge. I was like, so how do you do your hiring? They're like, dude, just go over there and, and you know, put the groceries in the bag, please. But but tell me your hiring practices, you know. <laughs> and that was just that's my amazing. I was a I was a nerd. I was a, I went full blown nerd. I thought I wanted to be in music as well. So I so I decided I'm gonna be I'll be an entrepreneur in music. I will I will create a production company. I will sign up the songwriters producers. I will build a business around this. And um and then from there it just became more about finding the idea or the job that I wanted to do. And most of it was through passion of like me saying, what do I want? What do I want to do every day? So work doesn't feel like a fellow Chuck E. Cheese. And, and that, and that's really what it's been. I've been searching for the thing that will light me up every day that will fill my purpose. And so, yeah, and that's what got me here. So I could, I could talk about all the things between it, but it's been a, I knew from a young age and I just was like, whenever that day comes, it will come. But obviously the downside is that it's, as a childhood dream, it became an idol because it became bigger and bigger. Like this is the thing my life has been designed to do. And so taking the leap became scarier when I finally took mm. it because it was like 15 year old, you've been counting on you your whole life. Don't let him down, you know, mm. like, and became this bigger thing. And so, so there were some negatives to, to becoming so, so big in my head, but it's been one of the best things to see myself do something I said I was going to do. Yeah, I I find a parallel there in your story, Kevin. And and let's just say it's metaphorically, Christy, you can tell me how accurate this is or not. But this idea being that, you know, Kevin, you had this experience that you didn't like, you you had to work for somebody who didn't treat you with dignity and respect as an employee of that organization. So the the option there was to go out and learn everything you could learn to be that person or, or be that person's boss and, and have a little bit more ability and freedom to do what you want to do one, but then make sure that the environments that were created were healthy environments for people too. And that's something I, I just know about you from working with you. You're not an entrepreneur looking to go make money for the sake of making money. You're an entrepreneur looking to make a difference in people's lives, which aligns very closely with what Canopy Life calls godly innovation. And I just, I like to tag on there, godly innovation and entrepreneurship. So there's this story that's told in, in, I think we have this story in Kenya too, where maybe metaphorically, there are a lot of Chuck E. Cheeses and maybe not a lot of Chuck E. Cheeses, places to go work. For the kids that do graduate high school, have the opportunity to go to university, they may not have many opportunities out there. So we believe that entrepreneurship is a way, one of the best ways to alleviate poverty in those communities. And Canopy Life is, is working to equip children 
from rural communities uh, with an education that focuses on things like problem solving, innovation, mental and emotional health, and entrepreneurship. And I've known you for close to a decade now, Kevin. I know you're passionate about several of those things, not just entrepreneurship, but problem solving, innovation, emotional and mental health. A lot of our conversations have have touched on those topics. I know your mind is swirling with thoughts whenever you hear about children learning about entrepreneurship, maybe at a similar age to you were at 15. What are your thoughts whenever you hear all those things in one sentence? And when you hear about kids not having to have the bad experience at Chuck E. Cheese, but but kids being taught about entrepreneurship at an early age for the purpose of serving others in their communities. Yeah. I mean, first thing, I mean, Christy, I think what you're doing is amazing. And I want to say thank you. Um, thank you. you know, because I think that there's so many kids who like, they don't have it. I'm an emotional guy. I'm glad I was watching the video of this. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm likely to cry anyway. But I just think you're thinking like how much people have changed. People who aren't my parents have changed the trajectory of my life, you know? And that's because they just chose to care about someone in my situation, you know? And and, it's, and, like, and there's nothing I could have done to make that person care, you know? You, you can't make somebody who doesn't know you like want to do something for you. So thank you. Now you all like, so, so, so I mean that with everything, but I think for me, the first thing I thought actually was seeing is believing, right? That like, I mean, if we're transparent, I mean, especially in the States, but let's just say globally, if you have an internet connection, and a decent computer, you can pretty much do anything. So okay. if that, so if that's the case, why are people not doing everything? Because you say, well, it, well, you have a public, if you have the state, you have a library. They're not, they're not gone yet. You know, like, what's your excuse? I don't believe it's possible for me. Hmm. That's what's stopping me. It's not resources anymore. It is comp- one hundred percent what is in your head and heart that stops everything. And it is heartbreaking to know that. And it is also incredibly empowering to know that, that literally the war has shrunk down in most countries, right? I know there are countries that are literally in war situations right now. So I want to be fair and say that is not okay for me to take my, you know, American perspective, everyone in the world, that's not true. But for the people listening to this podcast, right? Because you have a device that's letting you listen to this right now. <laughs> for you, the war is exclusively between your ears. Hmm. And, and so that means seeing is believing is the fastest way. When I'm not trying to get into a whole representation matters thing, but it's like, no, no. When I see a person that I feel is like me, similar to me in any shape, form, or fashion, it could be. We both came from single parent homes. We, we, we both came from this neighborhood, this town. We both are the same color, right? These things are like, okay, if he or she can do it, I can. And then once you that awakening happens, boom, right? You start looking around, you're like, oh my gosh, like every single thing I'm trying to do, I can go do. And, mm. and the best part about it is with technology, doing all these things has is not only possible they are affordable and i think that is even more exciting and so yeah so that's i think seeing is believing what came to meet my mind first that's awesome what that makes me think of is a phrase that we've started to use more 
And we're still refining it to how to make sure it always communicates the heart when we don't have a whole podcast to explain this one sentence. But it is this idea that poverty is more than an economic status. Like there, there is these, all these other layers to what attributes to that. And a chunk of that is mindset, belief that it can be done, belief that there is a problem, belief that you have any kind of power or agency to change that problem and seeing someone else doing it who is like you looks like you is from a place that you're from aids in so much of that mindset then there's all the emotional right it's part of why canopy comes at it from every angle because we don't believe poverty is just an economic status because of everything you just described that that when you don't have 17 barriers standing between you and executing that idea you really can execute almost anything these days with very little money if you have the ideas and the confidence and you know the internal skills to execute almost anything is possible that's really i i resonate with that 100 percent. i used to criticize celebrities for going back to schools in their neighborhood and talking like, I'm, like yeah. I'm like look at this joker right like hey i am i'm a millionaire i am from this school i will come back to this poor school where i've left you all behind and i will bring you my wisdom you all will take pictures and say you met me i will sign photos i might donate some money and then i shall leave right mm-hmm. i was like what the heck like that is so lame like you could just show up and then leave this neighborhood again where they are I'm like no no kevin they're planting seeds of belief mm-hmm. that- that's good is so powerful for them. Like I walked this hall, I sat in that room, I sat in that chair. Like that was my spot. Like, you know, it's like, oh, like no, literally I was in your seat. Yeah. It's like, okay, got it. So your starting point is no longer an excuse. Well, and it totally gives you a different appreciation for the people who really are the first, who didn't have, right? Like that that seed of belief sown, or maybe it was sown, but it was only a, a fraction of what, they needed to achieve to be that first seat of belief i think about our our oldest students and you've got my mind just whirling about how can we continue to pull from people who are already entrepreneurs in their own country to expose and um you know we're we're working on worldview as a whole because if you've only grown up in the same 10 square miles and that's all of your idea bank your your whole idea bank is only a 10 mile radius of the same solutions the same problems if you even define them as problems part of what we're trying to do is expose them, not just to other entrepreneurs, but to what solutions exist out there, exposing them to all kinds of ideas. And it's so critical to have those seeds of belief sown. That's really good. That's good. Well, I mean, I mean, that's what I thought of when I, when I, when I saw those words, I was like, oh yeah, this yeah, is what I think good. about, you know, because once again, I am a collector of tools. Mm. People are like, oh, yeah, that's my best one thing I love to do. I'm a collector of tools. I, I, I recognize that my gifting is not innovation. In, in a traditional sense, like that's not true. My gift is not novelty, mm-hmm. right? Brand new is not my thing. I have new ideas, but it's mainly in the connection and the repurposing mm-hmm. and the manipulation of things that exist. I you know, obviously, as an African American in this in this country, I come from a long line of that's our people. Like, mm-hmm. what is DJing? Well, I took a record player that wasn't designed to be done and used this way, and I use it this way. Like mm-hmm. that's what I did. Like that, I, I took something that was not designed to do this, and I made it this. That's how we do what we do. You know, like, you know, like, oh, oh, well, yeah, well, you're playing a washboard. Well, that's well, that's how I wanted to create rhythm. I don't have instruments, so I use a washboard, right? Like, 
I'm going mm. to do, I'm going to do what's inside of me using what I have. And so, but resourcefulness still follows belief. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe the tools can be laying in front of you and you will not pick them up because you don't think they're for you to use. Mm-hmm. They're too good for you. You're not good enough to do them. You don't know what to do. It's like, so like the belief part, which is why, when, I mean, one thing, I criticize rappers, right? I mean, by the way, I love music. I listen to rap music all the time, but I've criticized rappers, right? What are you doing? These music videos flashing all this money and all this gaudy lifestyle. I'm like, time out, time out. But to the person who doesn't have access to them, they mm. just showed them a lifestyle that's possible from where they came from. Mm-hmm. That might be the only exposure that person gets to knowing different is possible. Mm. And if that person can plant a seed that says this, th- that different, better is possible for you, they might have just changed someone's life in a raunchy rap music video. And we will, and, and, and that's just the facts, right? And it's like, so I got to be grateful for what it does in people's lives, whether or not I want it done that way. Mm. That's really good. I, I like this path that you're kind of laying out too, starting with belief, like seeing is believing. Belief is a, a huge, it, it is the foundation for what can be done. It sounds like is what you're saying. After that is resourcefulness, and this isn't, or, or, or somewhere along the line comes resourcefulness. Have you developed any more thoughts on like what this path is that starts sure. with seeing, believing? I, yeah. That's not a yeah. question I asked before this podcast, but I, I love this idea that there is this map or this path laid out that starts with believing and then resourcefulness is somewhere. Like what are the other components of, of this map of entrepreneurship that starts with belief? Yeah, there are a couple of people see belief, right? So if I was going in order, I've thought about this before for me, my own journey, right? Mm-hmm. Exposure leads to consideration slash dreaming. Mm-hmm. You can't even dream if you weren't exposed, mm-hmm. right? It's like, come on, guys, just write it out. Just dream it. Just dream it out. Just dream it. They're like, dude, what are you talking about? Dream what? Like, like I, I'm dreaming. I mean, I'm dreaming about winning the basketball game with my friend outside of the soccer game this afternoon. Like, like I'm dreaming about the things that are in my world to dream about, right? Like hmm. making this. So, so, you know, so whatever that, whatever that is, is limited by what they've been exposed to. So you expose someone that leads to them having optics. That isn't even, first of all, awareness. Right? So now, okay, now I know things exist. Okay, now let's dream. You know what? Well, that was pretty cool. Right. One of our good, fr- one of my good friends and Evan's good friend, his name is Kenny Campbell. He's an entrepreneur. And he told me he became a youth pastor. He said, I was in my high school and this cool young adult male kept coming to school, our school in the afternoons, hanging out with all the teenage boys, playing sports with us. And I was like, what are you doing? He said, my job. I was like, what do you do for a living? You get paid to hang out with us? It's like, yeah, I'm a youth pastor. He's like, what? That's a thing? Like, he did, <laughs> and, that, and that was it. Like, it was like, I could hang out with kids and hang out and have fun and be a, and become be a friend or mentor to them. And I get paid for that. Like, whatever that job is, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so there's an exposure, at least awareness and consideration. Then when you think that dream, they have more things to pull from. Then it's, do I believe I can do it? And so, so there is a part of it, right? So, I, so I, still, I still believe this. I still have to take the dream and say, now do I believe I? And that's when all the other stuff and the limiting stuff starts to show up. And then from there, we can start talking about, okay, 
this your dream. Let's start the process of resourcing you, equipping you, relationships, tools, frameworks, information, right? Because, you know, because once again, Google responds to terms. Have you ever tried to Google something and you didn't have the word for it? And you're like, and you, and you, and you're, and you're, and your Google search is taking you all kind of crazy directions. Yes. Then you someone to one article that gives you the term. You put that same thing back in Google and it's like, the world will be like, like, like I knew this thing. It's like, like, I found another world, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like all you needed was the term. Mm-hmm. And then you're on your off to the races. And so for me, okay. collecting stories, for, for myself even, I collect stories to remind myself it's possible, like, and, and, and options. I mean, I collect tools, like actually like resource, like Squarespace, Wix, you know, like, you know, then I, I, I usually collect frameworks and processes. So system methodologies are typically how I operate. I, I mean, I'm always collecting those two or three things over and over all the time. I mean, I mean it's like, it's, it's obsessive. And they but change it, quite often as well. So you, it's, it's almost necessary to collect those tools on a regular basis. Yes. And also it's like, because my job, I feel like my job is to help someone connect what's happening in their head to reality. Like mm. I call myself a visioneer. Like you give me visions, I build them. So my job is what's the gap between the idea and reality was well, usually mindset stuff like stories other people have done it and how they, and how they've done it. So there's a process we can maybe discern from another person's story. There's an actual tool that I'll be missing. Might be some kind of framework so we can stop going in a thousand directions. Like, hey, let's just try this process, right? Like, you know, like, is it perfect? Of course it's not. There is no perfect process, but a process can guide us. We don't get stuck in debating every option forever and we move on. But that's what changed for me. My mom always said we were driving and she saw like the lottery number up on the screen, you know, on the billboard. She's like, all right, fellas, if we won that money, what would you do? And as, as a kid, you're like, I'm going to buy Toys R Us, you know, whatever it is, right? <laughs> but but the, the daughter part of it is the thought exercise, hmm. perpetually asking yourself, what would you do if you had that money? What would you, like, you start thinking, what, what, yeah, what, what would I do if I had that kind of money? Mm-hmm. Right? You say, well, mom, I'd buy a house. She said, okay, well, son, I mean, the nice house might cost you half a million dollars. That's $3 million there. You got a lot left. Uh, you know, it, and it gets to the point where I'd help somebody else, right? Because at some point it hits you. If I had that amount of money, I'll have everything I want and need. Mm. And I'll have 2 million left. What would I do with that? Mm-hmm. Even the little kid who's being selfish and egocentric starts to say, well, even what I want doesn't cost more than a million dollars. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just, it's just a change, but it was a great thought exercise for people living where we were living. Right. We weren't, in, we weren't in like in the most improvised area of the world, but we had our moments where, you know, we've been evicted from homes, you know, like, and so like, there's a reality saying yourself, but the thought exercise was like, we were training ourselves. Cause I have friends of mine who did better than us financially and struggled to dream. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a, it's a muscle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You have to practice that thing and get better at it. But my mom also exposes a lot. She was exposing us constantly because that's what she could give us. She couldn't give us everything else. She could give us exposure. Mm-hmm. She help us dream, you know, and, and I can just put you in environments where hopefully you're picking up tools and resources and people to equip you for, for running your leg of the race. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Kevin, visit his website, kevinbjennings.com. Remember, this is just part one of our two-part conversation, so we'll be releasing the next episode next week. If you'd like to learn more about Canopy Life, you can visit our website, canopylife.org, and there you can learn how you can get involved to make a difference in the lives of these children growing up in rural Kenya through beauty, belonging, and innovation. Entrepreneurship is a big piece of what these kids are being taught about. They're being exposed to ideas like Kevin is talking about. And uh, if you want to get involved, just visit our website, canopylife.org, and click the button, Get Involved. 